tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. The northeast is looking fantastic at the moment. The grass is about knee high, and all the dams are full. There's black swans on the oh. on the on the on the lakes out there, and things like that. Went down to help out down at the grain harvest down at the docks at Port Adelaide over the harvest, and it's interesting to see, you know, the ship with 66,000 tons of wheat on it going off. You think. Well, that's about 400 bucks a tonne for a week. That's about 23 million bucks going off, and there's about 100 ships go out of Port Adelaide a year. Mm. So that's earning, earning the country a lot of money. You realise that it's sort of like you've got to have stuff coming, you know, income coming from outside of the country to keep feeding in, into the country to circulate around. And I don't think it's recognised enough how much the agriculture and mining and all those actually give to the country, so to speak. It's interesting to see the demographics of the people working down at Port Adelaide. There's uh, people my age, when I'm nearly 60 and, and younger, who are working down there. Lovely bunch of people are out there out there in the world. You know, all good fun, a lot of teasing going on and things like that, but it's it's no, it's great lifestyle. They're just another phase of your life, really. So you move on, do other things. Bloke with the runs in the backyard at Mum's. They love it all over Australia. I'm sleepy and yawning, but I love Sunday morning. So switch on and lie back in bed. The city, the scrub, the farmer in the pub, they love it all over Australia. There's a radio show that Australians all know. If you're rich or you ain't got a cracker. They tell stories so grand of this vast timeless land and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. I will do. I'm at the boat ramp at Korokai. Bloke's just launched his tinny. What's your name? Philip. How are you, Philip? Good, mate. You're about to go out on the river. What are you fishing for? Uh, we're chasing Australian bass here at Korokai, yep. Australian bass. Seem to be exciting fish. What? Tell me about the Australian bass. Well, Australian bass, are, the people that fish for Australian bass are pretty well catch and release, uh, most of them. Just exciting fish to chase, usually in a very scenic sort of positions yeah all the advantages of that too i suppose when you go fishing this is the richmond river and it looks pretty dirty to me is it ever i mean there's a lot of rivers like the yarra and the brisbane which never look really flash but is this at times clear this one yes definitely it's 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 um due to the the heavy rains and on good conditions this is crystal clear and um good water but we only need a a little bit of rain to dirty the the river up now and there's been so much rain, there'll be a lot of leakage into the river for for a good while yet. There's water everywhere, isn't there? Yeah, it only takes, you know, half an inch to get runoff now because yeah. the, the ground is that full. Tell me your story. What do you do? I'm, a, I'm actually a farmer growing fruit, custard apples, just um, north of Lismore. And how'd you go in the in the devastation? Not very well. Not so much the volume of water, it's just the long-term months and months of rain we should have picked somewhere between 15,000 to 20,000 trays we picked four and a half thousand trays of custard apples of custard apples you know that's anywhere from 300 to half a million dollars worth of fruit just went black from fungal disease so yeah we're at the moment we're dealing with that pruning it all off and and it just drops on the ground and we've got to get rid of it and clean it all up for next year where do custard apples go because i don't often see them in shops are they exported or 
No, no, pretty well. Well, some do, but most of them go to Sydney, Melbourne, the, the major cities. I suppose it depends what you're looking for when you go into the, into the shop, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> most Australians don't know how to eat them either. They don't know when to eat them. And um, Well, tell us. To get them at the right softness, a bit like an avocado. When an avocado is ripe, that's when a custard apple is, is ready to eat. Our Indians and Asian people, they've grown up with them. They know how to, uh, you know, when to eat them and how, how to use them. And Philip, you're obviously a keen fisherman and this, mm. it's probably a good while since you've been able to get out in the river. It'll be a good while yet before you see it crystal clear. Yes. What, what are the bass do? They head for the hills or what's No, the... <laughs> well actually this is first of spring, first of September is our when we start bass fishing. They have a cycle of at the beginning of winter going to brackish water and now at the beginning of spring they start heading back upstream. So not all fish come down. But um, a bulk of fish come down to breed. They go down to brackish water to, to breed. I've got a mate who fishes in the Lane Cove River for bass. Yeah, he's a great admirer of the Australian bass. No, are they a big fish? How do they... Well, if you get a 50-centimetre fish, that's a, that's a prize fish. That's what we're targeting. But, you know, an average fish can go anywhere from 35 to 45 centimetres. And you do a Rex, you kiss and... Uh... Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, they're too good. They are edible and they're quite good to eat, but if you, if you love fishing for them, you don't don't want to kill them. You look after them, put them back. Run but when a rain event like this, it's just uh, unprecedented, isn't it? Oh, I mean, of course, yeah. of course. We had 775 mils in 24 hours on my farm. Water wasn't running down gullies; it was just running down everywhere. Places where, like, I got an irrigation pump that's well above normal flood levels. It went about two meters over the pump. Water just came from everywhere. Phil, how did you get into custard apples? Is it a family concern? Is it your father before you or what? Yeah, dad and mum bought the property when I was about five. Not for commercial reasons, more of a lifestyle. Uh, as I grew up, I showed a bit of interest and we started doing other things. We went into bananas and then we had major storms blow, <laughs> blow all them down. So then uh, I got married and wife and I went into farming. We went into zucchinis. I knew that my age would catch up to me, so I wanted to get out of zucchinis. It was, that was very hard work. So we went into a tree crop and stone fruit in this area, was people were getting out of it. It was um, too difficult. So um, we went into custard apples in a, in a major way. We actually got two properties, one family farm so about two and a half thousand trees good luck let's hope the drought comes soon and <laughs> <laughs> yes well you know either flooding or droughting whatever yes, yes. the life of a farmer <laughs> yes we have the bad but we have the very good too so well good luck kissing a few for me Thank Philip. You. nice to talk to you good on you cheers Thanks, mate. see you This is the All Over News. This is the All Over News. And in the All Over News this morning, we're doing a Vox Populi, Vox Pops. I'm talking to Trevor Coomber, who's the pharmacist, chemist, here in Evans Head. Good morning, Trevor. Welcome to Evans Head, Ian. It's lovely to be here. Tell me about uh, Evans Head and you. I mean, you weren't directly flooded here, but you had the aftermath or the, the, the wash, if you like. We did. We became the last pharmacy standing in the whole neighbourhood with uh, Corakai underwater, you know, Woodburn underwater and Waddell underwater, and all roads to Lismore and Ballina cut. We became the only pharmacy. So it was chaos here for about two weeks. We had people walking in that basically were still wringing wet. They'd been up to water in their neck. And uh, the side effect was that they'd lost all their personal belongings. So they had no pension cards, they had no Medicare cards, they had lost all their scripts. Um, so we were left looking after the whole community. 
And I suppose your pharmacy course at uni didn't prepare you for something like this, did it? No, it didn't, but I'm old enough now to have been around the ridges a little bit, and uh, so the pressure was on, but uh, it was a matter of just making everybody happy and keeping them knowing that they were going to get fixed up and get their insulins and get their DDs and their dangerous drugs and their pain relief and that sort of thing, and we, we fixed everybody. We uh, were very proud of what we did for the community. Isn't it amazing too because there was talk some time ago, there was been talk about get rid of pharmacists and get rid of the chemist shop and yet in the last certainly 10 years, in the last two years, you're the first stop for medical advice really and here you are giving uh, vaccinations and all sorts of things. So what would we have done without uh, the, the humble chemist? I'll call you a humble pharmacist or chemist. No, we are a humble uh, pharmacist. I mean, it's the only profession that I know that we study for four years at university then come back and give our our knowledge and information out for nothing and free. And we welcome that and we do it, it, it because it's part of being a pharmacist. But certainly life's changed in the last five years for a pharmacist. It's now, you know, we're vaccinating. Uh, we've got access to S3s that before if someone walked in with an infected eye, you would say, well, you'd better just slip off to the doctor and the doctor would come back with uh, a prescription uh, for some eye drops and we would know exactly what was necessary in those cases and it was frustrating but now at least we've got access to lots of cures for the common uh, problems that we see in the street. During the the flooding and uh, the disaster we were vaccinating a lot of the army and they were in getting their tetanus shots and uh, other vaccinations and uh, I was sitting talking to uh, two of them one day and they said, uh, I said, where are you cleaning up? And they said, I out between Woodburn and Corakai. I said, oh, I said, what's it like? They said, well, we were, both of us were in Arche in 2014, sent over by the Australian government to help with the clean-up with the tsunami and the damage, well, the damage done and it's still being done at uh, Corakai and Woodburn was worse than the tsunami. And uh, he said, so this wasn't a flood. It wasn't a disaster. It was a catastrophe. The amount of water that came down and uh, inundated those areas was uh, just absolutely mind-blowing. I'm talking to Trevor Coombush. He's the pharmacist here at Evans Head. Tell me about you. Where did you grow up and how do you find yourself in Evans Head? Well, it's quite funny. I was born in Charleville in Queensland, so uh, I have plenty of enemies here being in New South Wales with state of origin. and. Uh, I've got the proud owner of a wooden spoon for the Broncos that uh, ran last uh, in the comp last year. Uh, so You're a fo- footy tragic, are you? I'm a footy tragic, but it makes for some very good fun hmm. with uh, some of the older people in, in Evans Head. But uh, I studied in the University of Queensland, had pharmacies in Brisbane for a long time, and now have uh, found myself back here in Evans Head, which is quite uh, ironic because my father was in the... RAAF in the Second World War and did his training here at Evans Head in 1942-43. And there's an F-111 museum here, isn't there? There's an F-111 museum and anyone that comes to Evans Head should go out and see it. It's a fantastic aircraft, but it does uh, give all the history of all the training, Empire Training Scheme that was here in Evans Head. It was a huge part of uh, the training of the Air Force people. And uh, so my father was uh, trained here and now I've ended up back here. Mm. So it's uh, quite ironic. And your father was a teacher in Charleville, is that right? Your dad was a teacher and we travelled all over Queensland and as far north as Innisfail, around Bundaberg for many years. I think that travelling and living in other places and stuff is very good for a profession like yours where you're dealing with people all the time and you get a, a great experience, if you like, from travelling around. I, I certainly have. 
Oh, look, I find having the experience of living and working in the city and also living and working in the country that uh, you can bring a different aspect to dealing with people in the city because of your uh, the way that you live and have brought up in the country. I think you have a different way of relating to people in a more genuine manner and uh, just in being able to impart the care that they need. And how's Evans Head doing six months on from the floods? I suppose you've still got, um, you're still helping people that are still struggling because as I drive around, there's people still struggling. Because, because more frequently, it's harder and harder to get in to see a doctor. And, I mean, you're the first stop, really. And it's not as if you're operating on people, but you give them good advice and often they, they need that advice. Well, I think with our experience, we can pick up on some very serious diseases and problems that have to be seen urgently. And then there's the others that uh, we know that can wait. But if you look at Evans Head here, it's a lovely little town, 3,500 people. There's a very busy practice here of about eight doctors. And the waiting time for the doctors there sometimes stretches to two weeks. Now, you know, for an emergency case, uh, we have Ballina Hospital or Lismore Hospital close by. But, uh, you know, it does put pressure on the surgery to, you know, to be seen to be keeping a professional performance going for the community. Look, you know, this is uh, going to struggle most probably for a couple of years. There is a, a very serious, sinister problem hanging over Evans Head with the people that have been affected uh, in, here in Evans Head and also Woodburn and Wardell. And that's, as I see, it'll be some serious mental uh, d- diseases and conditions that we'll have to deal with down the track. People uh, that I sit in the, the chair and I'm vaccinating and they hear the rain outside and they go into a state of... Uh, you know, nearly panic just because there's a shower of rain just through the trauma that they've been through. So I see that that's uh, the elephant in the room for the health of the, uh, of the, of the community moving down the track. It's right across Australia too in, in lots of ways, it seems to me. Well, I think so. I mean, the drugs that we now dispense are quite powerful for dealing with depression and, and mood and those, uh, those mental states and uh, we just see more and more people using them and younger people as well. Do you fish or what do you do with yourself when you're not um, dispensing advice and things? Oh, I love fishing. I love fishing and I'm about to start to play golf again, so... Oh, no. You know, so getting back to all the things that we used to do and enjoy. What do you catch here? What fish do you catch here? Oh, we catch a lot of snapper. Trevor, it's great to talk to you and nice to meet you here in your town of Evanshead. Thanks, Ian. Welcome. I'm at the famous Broadwater Mill. I'm talking to Bruce McCormick. How are you, Bruce? Not too bad, Ian been a tough time the last whatever six months yeah, is it? six months it's been very trying very trying um, I came here the week after or just the week following and it's a couple of blokes standing I forget his name Nugget or Digger or somebody and he said and he showed me the mark on the wall here where the flood had been through here at your, your mill yeah, where we're standing at the moment we'd be completely underwater so you'd have to hold your breath for a long time or <laughs> grab a snorkel and the mill's back running the mill has started operation in the last uh, week and a half. Um, yeah, we're back crushing. Um, we're having lots of teething problems, as you would well imagine, with the amount of equipment that's um, been submersed in flood water and uh, it's all been repaired. But there's um, just a lot of equipment and a lot of teething problems um, to get the place going. But we're slowly getting there. Bruce, tell me about yourself. How do you uh, come to be working in a sugar... What do you do, by the way? Um, I'm employed as a maintenance engineer at the the sugar mill. I'm a fitter machinist by trade. Spent my time here as an apprentice, 
Um, worked away at a meatworks for 21 years, but I've been re-employed here, uh, been here for 16 years now. Supervised maintenance activities through the factory. I live at a place called Tatum, halfway between Korokai and Casino. Fortunately, my home was safe in the floods. Um, I have a beef cattle property that um, was inundated, knocked the pasture around a lot. I've been feeding cattle for the last three or four months now. An SES volunteer for 42 years with Woodburn Unit. Seen a lot of floods in my time, but nothing like what we experienced end of February. Uh, early March. How are the people doing? Uh, a lot of people are struggling. I actually spoke to another SES colleague um, from the Broadwater unit this morning. Yeah, his home was, was flooded and, um, yeah, he's having a battle. A lot of, lot of people are doing it tough. Some people have managed to, to get their homes back to a, a point where they can live in them again. Um, but you drive through Lismore, Korokai, Woodburn, Broadwater, there's still a lot of homes that are vacant where um, people haven't been able to um, get their lives back in order and get back into them and it, it's really tragic to see that uh, happen to a lot of the people that are your friends and your workmates and so forth. So yeah, tough times for a lot of people in the Northern Rivers. Tell um, us about the river. I'm fascinated by this Richmond River. The river's a beautiful thing. Up until February 2022, I I say a few quiet curse words every time I cross the bridge uh, now at the river, but um, <laughs> it is a great thing to be out on the river and fishing. I enjoy fishing as well. I don't get enough time to uh, to do as much fishing as I'd like, but, yeah, it, it's hard to beat a boat ride up the river. Um, it's just a shame that um, it uh, yeah, overfilled and flooded so many areas. Bruce, it's great to talk to you, mate, and uh, good luck. Nice to meet you. Yes, likewise, Ian. All the best. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Yeah, I'm talking to Narell. Uh, Narell, you asked me a question. And what brought you to Wardell? Well, I just wanted to say good day. Oh. And here I am. Good day, Narell. How are you? Good day. Wonderful. Thank you. Tell me your story. Tell me about you and Wardell and your last six months and the future. Um, um, well, if it wasn't for these two, Wardell would be an absolute total mess because these two have held us together and don't make me start crying. Um, yeah, without them, uh, we would be really lost. Most of us got flooded down here. We just had to live through it one day at a time. No one ever thought in a million years it would flood, but it did. And we just stood on that hill and watched the water come up and just couldn't believe it. Narelle's talking about Venetia and Joel. They've set up digs. What's a resilience centre, Joel? Is that what it's called here? Yeah, well, we're a community-led recovery centre, yeah. yeah. We are just trying to hold space, I think, and, I mean, that's really all we can do. We've tried to provide a place that's got all the basics for people to, to get back on their feet and, you know, try and give a bit of a leg up where we can. And, yeah, just support, really, I think, is what people need at the moment. Yeah. Well, the whole Northern Rivers is affected by this, so, you know, I think it's a great privilege that we've been able to, um, to do what we can and help people as we've been able to. We constantly hear around the, the kettle, you know, it's just people meeting their neighbours for the first time. And I mean, some people have lived here for 20 or 30 years and just haven't had the opportunity to connect. I guess it's a small community without a lot of sort of real social activity. Um, and people just get on with whatever they do and, yeah, probably didn't reach out. And, yeah, this has really brought people together. They're now helping each other or just connecting in some way. I think solidarity through this kind of event's really brought people together and, Having an opportunity to share each other's stories is really important in bonding. I think, like, I, I wish we could do more for people who've been so severely affected by the floods, but being able to kind of take the edge off and make food available for free or at a really very low price, I, I hope it just kind of, you know, yeah, really takes the edge off the financial burden people are under. And there aren't really, there aren't places to get food 
in Wardell. So I think we kind of, well, groceries and, and fresh veggies anyway, so we offer a bit more convenience for people. Yeah, so, I mean, Wardell is like lower river catchment. And, yeah, here the floodwaters weren't so deep, but they are really wide. So we're living on a sandbank here in Wardell, which is right near the river. But the river spilled its banks and flooded all the way through the cane fields for about 10 kilometres all the way to the coastline. And, really, it's just the sand dunes on the coastline there that kept the water from being able to get out to the ocean, which is almost a shame. Had someone been there with a shovel and a lot of enthusiasm, <laughs> uh, we could have solved a lot of problems. But, um, yeah, like the whole... It's like an Amazon river. That's right. You know, when you look at... There was an inland sea. You know, all that water that came down from Lismore had to go past our front door here and eventually it got out at Ballina. But, I mean, you now look, this river is so shallow, it's filled with sediment from all the way upstream. Somebody's tank, fire tank, floated down. Had um, It was marked from Kyogle. Yeah, g'day, Marco. How are you? Peter, the dairy farmer down here at Codrington. How's things? Where are you? At Codrington, just up the road from where you are right now on the, at the junction. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you've uh, got yeah. cows and stuff. Yeah, mate, we're on a dairy farm. We're uh, fifth-generation dairy farmers. We're, we've been here on the river now for, for 16 years and um, experienced a lot of floods, but, but nothing like what we had this year. Yeah, yeah. And, As everyone. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. And... Uh, have you been, you've been here to Korokai, haven't you? Oh, every, every week, mate. I'm through there every couple of days. Just, well, we're on the, you know where we are? We're in that little rotundary sort of thing um, on the river here. Yeah, no, no, that's, yep, that's where they have the Australia Day celebrations and all. So, yeah, no, it's a great spot to be. It's a great spot on the river there too, Macca, it really is. Um, but, uh, Dan, to see it all tidied up like it is now, and if you had a scene at the weeks after the flood, and, and would have been for weeks after the flood, it was, uh, it was a disaster zone through there. And uh, and Korokai itself, uh, the impact that it had from the flood coming coming from the north um, and from the west, it was uh, it was pretty full on, as you know, as you can see yourself. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, pretty pretty hard to take, really. So uh, have you recovered with your dairy farming and stuff? How's that going? Oh, Mac, we're we're, uh, we're recovering. Yeah, I think the the word is recovering. Uh, it's a slow process, and uh, get the grasses going again, and uh, get the cows back to. Back to some sort of normality. Uh, it's it's taking time. Yeah, definitely. Did you lose uh, cattle? Did they get washed away and things like that? Or uh, yeah, not so much off this place, but a couple of other places we have rented around the around the district. We uh, we end up losing about fifteen head. Not as many as uh, as a lot. Uh, different areas up here. You, yeah, you hear stories how uh, whole herds got washed away, and uh, yeah, it's pretty devastating really to hear those sort of stories. Ian, um, yeah, pretty hard. It's funny, isn't it? You sit here on the the river, and we were here yesterday setting up, and you just look at this lovely river, and it's well, it's not sparkling; it's a bit muddy. But and you think it's just lying there, and yet, you know, months ago, it's a raging, raging beast that's consuming everything. Uh, I mean, it's it's yes, the, the beast was unleashed, wasn't it? Yeah, the I'll beast say. Was and, unleashed. and here it is; it's just out the front here, lying there, looking sparkling in the morning sun. It's. Uh, it's um, Quite majestic, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's uh, um, and you yeah, don't no, realise it. You're sort of walking. Yeah, you're walking beside this river, but it's got the potential to wreak havoc, hasn't it? But uh, looks just a like uh, a lovely little peaceful like, thing. Like but... you heard earlier, yeah, like you heard earlier, it's a big catchment. Yeah. The Richmond catchment is a big catchment. Whether it's coming from the Leicester or the Wilson, uh, the Richmond is a big catchment. And uh, yeah, there's and when there's you got uh, you got all those stars that lined up. Uh, all together there back in March, and um, yeah, they 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 released they they released their uh, their their torrent, and uh, that's what happened. So uh, 
you know, it's it's great. And it's great to have you here in uh, in Korokai and in the region like you are. Uh, I really appreciate you coming to the area and promoting uh, promoting the town because Korokai has been a little bit of a missed spot on the map between Korokai, Woodburn, Broadwater. Uh, it was all about Lismore there for a while. Uh, but uh, recognise Korokai like you are. It's um it's brilliant. Thanks very much, Ian. P- uh, it's a pleasure, Pete. Um, you maybe you could wander down later. I'm hoping to get finished and uh, and get down to say good day. I've been listening to you for probably 15 years, so um, nearly every Sunday morning there's not many I miss. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm hoping to get down to say good day. Good on you, Pete. Thanks for your call, mate. Right on, mate. Tom's in a phone box in Charters Towers. The first phone box call of the morning. Morning, Tom. G'day, Macca. How you doing? Yeah. First time caller for me. And first time phone box for me. This morning, I just heard that. Yeah, so mate, in the lovely Charters Towers, it was a. Uh, uh, it's been a very nice weather up here. It's about 14 this morning for a uh, overnight of about. Well, yeah, I think it's coming to about 31, 32 today. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've stayed away from the rain. I've uh, I've got a job that takes me around Queensland. We we sell um, street sweepers and vacuum excavation trucks. So the councils are always interested in keeping their their streets clean, which is great. And right. uh, mate, we've travelled up from. Roma, Charleville, um, through the middle, um, went through Tambo and uh, headed up then to Cloncurry, Mount Isa, across where your cooler is now, through Richmond, Hewenden, um and Stone Overnight Charters Towers and then heading back down through the middle through uh, through Emerald and back home. So it's, uh, it's been a good trip. But yeah, we've stayed away from the rain. We haven't had it. There was uh, I saw the storm that was out over Blackall and um, it was in the background. Mm. And, um, but the weather up here today has been uh, been very nice and, uh, and and good overnight temperatures so far. But you can see it's going to get hot later in the year. Tom, what's the uh, market for street sweepers and uh, uh, such equipment uh, uh, like in Queensland? Well, generally yeah, in Australia. A, a lot of the councils have got the sweepers because they do like to keep their their, uh, their their cities clean, and that's great. And there's a hell of a lot of people, obviously, travelling as you've been talking about for the last couple of years. We've now noticed it. We've not we're in a we're in a motorhome, and we have not seen as many motorhomes on the roads. There's a lot of people out there. They're visiting these towns, which is fantastic. Macca, the, the country out here is just the best I've seen it in in absolute years. It's um I know some places miss out on it, but um I haven't seen the grass on the side of the road for the for the cows, and I know the sheep people are. Yeah, there's record quantities, I think, out in some of these countries. So, yeah, the places are looking great and people are visiting. The caravan park we're in was full uh, last night. There's plenty of people here. And, again, they, they visit the local towns and support the businesses as we do on the way through. So it's um, it's uh, it's um, it's been different from what it was, I think, 10 years ago when it was in drought, when the Queen was over. She was in drought too. And, Tom, you're in a phone box making a free call this morning, aren't you? Yeah, very interesting. It's the first time I've been in a phone box where the uh, the local yellow pages are still in the plastic cover when it got delivered from however many months ago. And, um, yeah, it hasn't been opened, Macca. Only in There's qu- actually three uh, of them here. Only in Queensland. <laughs> so it's, it's, the, it's the Townsville one that covers Mount Isa, Ayers, Charters, Towers, Bowen and Ingham, and it's in pristine condition. Plastic is still on it. And, yeah, in the, in the outside the caravan park, got the dog in the background. She's... Uh, She's 15 and a bit blind, so every time she gets a bit too far away on the lead, she doesn't know where I am and barks, so you might hear, hear her in the background. No, I can't hear her. can't hear her. Tommy, uh, nice to talk to you this morning. Oh, there, 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 there you go. There you go. There's... Saying, saying good day, Macca. Saying good day. Yeah, all right. Yeah. 
Okay, mate. Well, keep up the good work. I hope uh, you sell some street sweepers. There's nothing like an untidy street, is there? And you're keep no, you're doing no. you're doing your bit for it. Absolutely, Mucker. And uh, I said, enjoy the program. Listen to you, and I thought, yeah, wander up to the phone box and uh, and uh, and say good day. Does Tom win a prize, Kel? Yeah, you do. you've got a number for him. We've got yeah. We've taken down your particulars, if you know what I mean. There you go. There you go. Wonderful, wonderful. Enjoy the program, Macca. Speak Thank to everybody else and, and um, yeah, enjoy the program. See ya. Thanks, Tommy. Bye. Cheers, Ace. Bye-bye. G'day, Macca. This is Dean Brown calling from uh, the Northern Territory. We're just sailing past uh, Gove at the moment. Nullaboy, we're coming from Darwin and heading into heading to Groudon. We do the weekly cargo runs. Oh, wow. You're, so you're on a, uh, on a ship or a barge? What? Yeah, it's like a landing barge, 60-metre landing barge with a big door at the front. We um, we just use the big high-risk forklift to load and unload the barge. We've got about uh, 70 containers on board. And we'll be in there uh, tonight at uh, Gove, at uh, Groot Island, sorry. At, at Groot Island. So, and this trip takes you from where to where, Dean? It takes me from Darwin to Groot Island. It's a 55-hour voyage. And, and that's your only stop, just at a Groot Island uh, refill, is it right? Uh. Yeah, that, that's correct. We, su we support the community there and provide all the cargo for the mine site there, and um, that's what we're on hire and contract to, and we do that on a weekly basis. Uh, Deany, uh, so what's it like out there this morning? This morning is just a glorious day. There's all these little boats getting around trying to catch fish, and I'm just dodging them as we're going past uh, Gove at the moment. There's a little bit of haze, but it's just totally flat calm at the moment, Macca. It's uh, beautiful weather for sailing. Heading between the islands, just yep. between Bremer Island and Nullumboy, it's just glorious. Now tell me, uh, you've been doing this for gig for how long, Dean? Uh, this particular gig, I've only just done this one for this year, but uh, I come from Yamba and McLean, just south of where you are today at Korakai, and uh, my mother and father were actually hoping to visit you on this, this occasion that you're in Korakai, but my, unfortunately my father's sick and they can't make it. So, um, yeah, and I've been going to sea for 30 years, Macca. Mm. And, uh, yeah, loving it. Yeah, enjoying, enjoying I like what I do. Yeah, of course. Beautiful. So what sort of things do you deliver to, to Groot Island? Well, ma mainly it's the mining equipment for the mine and also we support the, the local community. So we do all their frozen food, all their fresh food, all their fuel and anything that needs to be stocked up for general stores or, or general shops on the island to keep the community going. There's a... There's a fair bit of this um, sort of barge, barge work that goes on around the top end, isn't there, from Darwin and out? There is, there is quite a lot going on and it's supporting all the communities from uh, the, the western coast of Northern Territory right around to, uh, to, towards Groot. There's, there's quite a lot of communities to serve, so there's probably not quite a dozen barges, but there'd probably be about 10, I'd say, doing the operations up here. Yeah, and I suppose depending on the on the season, uh, wet season can be a, uh, a bit of a worry from time to time. That that's right. So we're just coming out of the dry season now. We usually get a very strong southeasterlies when we're coming to the Gulf of Carpentaria. But uh, last week we had them, but this week it's going to be beautiful calm, and um, that's a good sign that the the dry season's coming to a finish, and we're starting to see that cloud starting to come and the, the build up, and the wet season's not far off at Macca. Deanie, nice to talk to you this morning. I wish I was out there on the on the boat with you. Um, but we've got uh, oh, nearly 100 people here this morning. Um, Lovely. So enjoy your day in Korakai. <laughs> Beautiful area. All right. Good on you, Dean. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Mark. Bye. Thank you.
Bianca is my name. Tell me, Bianca, what do you want to tell me? Okay, um, I just wanted to, I guess, um, I'm a recovery hub coordinator around at Korokai. We have a recovery hub here, started as a grassroots community initiative. It now has the backing of Mid Richmond Neighbourhood Centre, so there's myself and another coordinator. Um, and I just wanted to start by saying thank you for this um, exposure, because we really need this continued exposure. Um, a lot of people are still at the start of their recovery journey here and it's still very much a humanitarian crisis for some people. They don't have their basic needs met. Um, so this exposure is excellent and I wanted to thank some, some of our donors. Um, Lennox Headlines Club is a massive one. Mid-Richmond Neighbourhood Centre, who I said now backs our hub. Um, they'll have a continued presence in Korokai for those underprivileged people. Um, and, like, I just wanted to say to continue the support, please. Like anyone listening to this who feels that they want to support our town, it's not over. Like, you might get the sense coming here, the street value, like, it looks amazing. Um, the riverbank looks beautiful, but so many people are still living in gutted homes and we are by no means at the end of our recovery journey. We are just at the beginning. Bianca, what's your story? Where are you from and how come you're here? Um, I am a... I think I'm fifth generation. I'm a n number of generations. Anyway, my family's been here for years and years. Um, so I was born here. I love this community. Um, my family all live here. I think I'm related to nearly everyone in Coral <laughs> Come up and see Bianca, lady. She's probably, yeah, ask her. <laughs> so, yeah, it just started as, um, you know, myself and my cousin opened up a, uh, my, our auntie's shop, Highway Snacks, at the top of town. Um, he opened the doors and welcomed evacuees, and we just saw that there was a need um, for support. So then I continued down at the hub with another lady, Sasha, from Bentley, um, and a few other people came. They came from everywhere, honestly. We've got Dee from the Gold Coast. She still works with us at Mid Richmond Neighbourhood Centre. Um, so, yeah, people just came from everywhere. That started as grassroots and then, obviously, like I said, the charities now come in and they're going to run our hub and we're going to be there for, like, 18 months. Yeah, that's what people say. <coughs> the recovery will take some time. Um, and it always does, but um, a bit of re renewal in some way. I mean, you'll probably look back in two years and hopefully it'll be a lot, lot better. I don't know. That, uh, I think <coughs> genuine long-term recovery after a disaster such as this is two to five years. So I don't know that two years will be genuinely recovered, but there certainly will be more hope at that stage, yeah. yes. All right, well, keep up the good work. The uh, recovery hub. Yes, um, Korokai it, Hub. Korokai Hub. Korokai Hub, okay. Thank Bianca. <coughs> your name? G'day, and Tony Carusi. Tell me your story, Tony. Um, well, I'm President Ian of the um, Northern Rivers Flood Action Group um, and we, we are advocating for, for all flooded people. It doesn't matter where they are in, in our entire uh, area, from Casino, Cuyahoga, uh, Lismore, through to where you are here in Corakai today, which is fantastic to see you, uh, see you here, downstream to Woodburn, Broadwater, Bungalwalbin, uh, right through to Ballina. So um, we're just trying to help with uh, any, anything we can with grassroots things to, um, to try and uh, make the recovery quicker and easier for, for all the flooded affected people. Uh -huh. So what's your story, Tony? Well, I'm a farmer um, uh, halfway between here and, uh, and Woodburn. Um, we, uh, we grow uh, sugarcane, rice, um, soybeans and, uh, and cattle. Uh, and the flood has been absolutely devastating to uh, to not only the towns. I mean, you see the the streets today; they they look uh, they look quite okay. But a lot of potholes still. <laughs> well, the potholes probably the potholes might be one of the least of our problems. But uh, you know, you see the streets cleared, yeah. but there's a lot of houses that are just totally gutted inside, and uh, the it, it will literally take years for everybody to uh, to get back to somewhere near where they were. I don't think there's a lot of people that 
that we'll never recover uh, totally. But um, we're, we're still here and, and we'll, be, uh, we'll be going to try and get back. So people want to, um, if you want people to get in touch with you, how do they do that? We've got a small Facebook site um, and if they, if they look that up, they can certainly get in. Uh, get What's in. it called? The Northern Rivers um, uh, Flood Action Group. Um, we've got a meeting today at the Woodburn Hall later this afternoon at four o'clock, so anybody at all, doesn't matter where they've come, to, come from and live, if they've been flood affected, they're very welcome to come. Um, so we, we just sort of try and gather uh, information to, uh, to help people in their recovery. All right, good on you, mate. Nice to talk to you, Tony. Good on you. Thanks very much. Thanks for coming to the Lower River area of the Brisbane River. It's a pleasure to be here, mate. listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.